If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 John, the fourth chapter, in the first verse. 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of trying the spirits. We want to dig into 1 John 4 and verse 1. This is what it says. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. The first thing that I would note to you there, and this is a way that I can certainly identify with the Apostle John. I was not able to lay my head on the shoulder of Jesus, but I can identify with his tone and his attitude. He says, beloved. And by the way, he uses that word beloved nine times in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And it means dear ones. That's what it means. He's basically saying, my dear ones. And I certainly feel that way towards you. So beloved, my dear ones, you are dear to me. I say these things to you in the same spirit that John cared about the people that he talked about. And he said to try the spirits. He advises them to beware that there are seducing spirits that have to do with false teaching. And there's just general spirits out in the world that we'll talk about. And I'm not just talking about demonic spirits. All those, those are out there. But I want you to understand that there's a spirit that you can encounter in different activities and things. What is the spirit of that? Let's, let's talk about the rules for trying the spirits. The word try, where he says to try the spirits, it means to test or examine. And, you know, if you're going to test or examine something, you need a standard to go by, right? You can't just say, well, I think, or my opinion is, everybody's got an opinion. What is the standard by which we test the spirits or try the spirits? This word try is the same one that's used in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21, where he says to prove all things. He didn't leave anything out. He said, try all things. Make sure that what you're doing and what you're thinking and where you're going and the things you're involved in, try them by the standard that we're going to talk about. If you don't have a standard to try them by, then there's no way that you can say, well, this is right or this is wrong or this is good or this is bad. It's also the same word that's used in 1 Timothy 3 and 10 about deacons. It says to prove them that will be deacons. You know, the office of the deacon is different than the office of the elder. The office of the pastor, teacher, elder is a calling from God. But the office of the deacon is something that a, a man is to prove himself. So it's the same word, prove, try, test. I liked one of the commentators that I read. It said, some fall easy victims to the latest fads and spiritualistic humbuggery. That's like a word from the days of Dickens. Spiritualistic humbuggery, which just means things that are not according to the Word of God. That same commentator also said of this verse, to put the spirits to the acid test of truth as the metallurgist does his metals or his coins. To see if this is real, put it to the test. So what is that that we test it by? I think you've probably figured that out. It's the Word of God that we test it by. But before we get to that, he says, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. So there is more than one spirit like the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's more than one spirit. He says to test those things, try the spirits, whether they are of God. So what is a spirit? Let's think about that. And obviously a spirit can be a, a demon. It could be something like that. You see in the days of Jesus, 
how Satan knew something that was going on, something big was coming in the area of Judea. And he had marshaled his demonic forces, Satan's angels. He had marshaled his forces in the area of Judea. And you see that manifesting itself in all of the casting out of demons that Jesus did again and again and again. Those demons, they weren't just obliterated or annihilated whenever Jesus went back to heaven. They're still around, they just have a different form and they manifest themselves in different ways. And so, yes, it could be talking about an evil, demonic spirit, but it also could just mean the general feel or, or the tone of something. Okay, the definition of the word spirit or the root word is to breathe. One of the writers of the definition, when they explored further into that meaning, it, it could be what's known in English terms as an onomatopoeic type word, you know, where it actually sounds like what you're saying, spirit. You know, it's like breathing when you say the word spirit especially if you say it quietly, spirit, okay? It's like breathing. But it also is associated, interestingly, with certain types of beverages, right? You know, you, sometimes if you see a liquor store and it will say, you know, beer, alcohol, wine, spirits. Yeah, there's a connection to what that means to the word here, spirits. And it's interesting, in, in alchemy, which was sort of a precursor to chemistry, there was a process in alchemy where they would distillate something. Y'all have heard of distillation? If you can't connect with that, just think about the days when it was illegal in the United States because of a constitutional amendment that was passed. It was, Ill it was illegal. Prohibition meant you couldn't consume alcohol in the United States. That was back in the 20s, and it was a disaster the way that all of because people started having moonshine stills, okay? Still comes from the word distillation, all right? Okay, now here's what that means. And I'm no chemist and I'm no alchemist, but it makes sense if you think about what distillation is and why they came to use the word spirit or spirits with certain types of alcohol. So the distillation process takes something like a liquid normally. It could be wine, it could be some other type of liquid. In the days of the moonshine still, it was a, what they called a corn mash, <laughs> And they would heat up that substance. And that substance would give off the spirit of that substance. And it would form up into an area that would distill or it would condensation. It would evaporate and then reform and drip down into some type of you know, bottle or something. So in the old days, when they didn't really understand everything about science and chemistry, you know, they looked at that and they could see if, have you ever seen vapor, you know, in the morning whenever you'd go out and you'd see a mist upon the land? Okay? They looked at that and they could see that there's, a, there's something coming up out of that substance, like a vapor. And that's what they, they thought. Well, that's the spirit of that substance. Y'all get that? Does that make sense? So that's why spirit or spirits is associated with certain types of alcohol because they were taking a substance, a liquid or a solid or something, and they would heat it to get that spirit, the essence of that, and it was a powerful essence, was it not? They'd take something that didn't have a whole lot of power to it and they would draw out by distillation the essence of it, the spirit of it, and next thing you know, you got something that had a great influence on someone. I found it interesting in the study of the word spirits, the Arabic word for alcohol is al-ghul, al-ghul. And in the Quran, it was a demonic spirit 
that caused intoxication. If you're like me and you're a Batman fan, that you know where the villain Raz Al Ghul came from. <laughs> I know Brother Heath gets that. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but Al Ghul was where alcohol came from. That's where we get the word alcohol from. And it's in the Quran as a demonic spirit that would cause people to become intoxicated. All right? Now, we're not here to just primarily focus on intoxication, but I want you to see why that word is associated with something like that. Distillation would release the spirit of the liquid. Now, look, you say, what does this have to do with the Bible? You don't have to turn there. I'm going to mention several verses to you because i got a lot of, I want to go through. But what did they say in Acts, the second chapter, when the Holy Spirit came down? Remember? On the day of Pentecost, the, the apostles were speaking in other languages, and the enemies of the church looked at that, and they said, these men are what? They're drunk. You see? Because they had an essence about them or some spirit about them. And they thought, we don't know. These guys, they have been drinking. And it was 9 o'clock in the morning. They said, are these guys already drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning? You see? That's how it connects. By the way, the spirit is spoken of in Ephesians 5 and 18 where he says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. You see how even in those days, they had a connection between the intoxicating effect of the spirit of something like consuming alcohol. They had a connection with that. They said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I heard one of the old brothers say, there's no high like the most high. And that is the truth. There's no alcohol, marijuana, pill. There's no drug on the planet that can give you the high that the Holy Spirit can give you, okay? So y'all understand what a, at least a little bit about what a spirit is. It's something that animates you. Will you have that? If it's, I don't want to be too confusing about the distillation process and all that and the essence, but I want you to see it's something that has an impact on you and animates you. Look with me to Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter. These spirits of animation that animated the people were in the Old Testament. The Lord spoke to them about them in the Old Testament. Look at Deuteronomy 18. And I want you to see the warning that the Lord gives His people as they come into the land. This is Deuteronomy 18 and verse 9. I'll let the pages finish turning a little bit. He says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. And he goes on and he names abominations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. That was the Old Testament form of abortion, of murder of the unborn or the newborn. Or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. In other words, I don't want you to pay any attention to those things. They are misleading. Now watch this. For these nations which thou shalt possess, hearken unto observers of times and unto diviners, or diviners, but as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. Now watch this. Because the Lord knows that His people are in need of a spirit, of a director. He says, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a capital P prophet 
from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him you shall hearken. So you notice he doesn't leave them hanging where you're just not going to know anything or know how to live your life or to have any direction. He said, not only am I giving you my law to direct you, but I am going to send someone that's going to be like Moses. And by the way, whenever Jesus came, they asked that question. They even asked that question of John the Baptist. They said, is this that prophet? Is this the one that he spoke of in Deuteronomy 18? So understand, the Lord's not going to leave us hanging. He has provision for His Holy Spirit to direct us. But I want you to notice the implication there. He says, don't do like these other nations are doing. The implication is that they needed guidance. They needed the Lord to direct them. And those spirits, those guides were guiding them in the wrong way. You see, they were leading them to horrible things like, you know, your body is your own and you can do what you please with it because it's yours and you can, you know, murder your child. I mean, all types of abominations were led to by those things. Now, I want to point out verse 11. It says, a consulter with familiar spirits. It's interesting that phrase, familiar spirits, the definition of that is to mumble. And it also gives the definition of a ventriloquist. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, so the idea is there were people in those days who were ventriloquists that could cast their voice to somewhere else and it would sound like it's somebody else talking. It made me think of the little girl who used to beat me at every talent show, you know. <laughs> she, she had the little dummy and she was very good at it. You know, the little dummy talked and she won every talent show. And I, I don't even think I even placed except maybe one time. But I was, so, I was so jealous of her. I wish I could throw my voice, cast my voice like that and, and make that little dummy talk, you know. It made me think of that. I'm not saying she was a witch now. I'm not saying that. But in the Old Testament, somebody that could, could be a ventriloquist, that could cast their voice and make you think, where'd that voice come from? See, that's part of what this familiar spirit was about. It also made me think of riding the bus when I was about 7th or 8th grade. and Big, strapping, strong math teacher, Mr. Latham. He was scary. He was, he was about as scary as my dad. You know, he's big arms. He's a, farmed on the side. Brother Keith remembers Mr. Latham. He's still alive today. He, was, he scared me to death. He was a great math teacher. He drove the bus. And one day, not me, of course, but the kids on the bus were acting up. And he told them, he said, if y'all don't be quiet, you know, I'm going to pull this bus over and I'm going to spank every one of you. <laughs> and those of you that knew Mr. Latham, he would do it. And so I don't know if y'all have this talent like I do, but I can, I can whistle three different ways. Y'all have that talent? I got a little bit of ventriloquism in me. You know, I can whistle. I can, I can blow through my teeth. I can, I can suck and then I can blow like that. I can't do this, though. I've never learned how to put your fingers in your mouth and make that loud whistle. So I sat back there on the bus after Mr. Latham. I remember, I was in seventh grade, okay, or eighth grade. And after he told everybody to be quiet, I sat back there and I smiled and started whistling. And he got so mad because he, who's whistling back there? Who's whistling? Who's whistling? I was just kept on whistling. You know, just smiling. He couldn't tell who was whistling. Thank goodness he didn't stop and spank us all. But it made me think of that. You, know, you couldn't tell where the voice was coming from. You couldn't tell where the whistle was coming from. And the, the spirit that I conveyed to him, like, it almost drove him crazy because he wanted whoever it was to hush. It got him angry, you see. That's what I'm talking about. 
A spirit that animates you. Something that animates you. In Isaiah the 8th chapter, listen to this in verse 19. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead, to the law and to the testimony? If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And it says that they would go through life hardly bestead and hungry. You know anybody that's spiritually bestead and hungry, starving spiritually, and, and following every sign that comes along or everything that happens and trying to figure out life just through those things? He says they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God. That is the result of following the spirits that animate us in the world. We, don't, we want to follow the Spirit of God that animates us with the correct understanding of what is right and what is wrong. In the Old Testament, the standard was the law. You see what he says there? He said, when people come along and tell you, try some other standard. Don't listen to that. Don't give in to that. Come back to the Word of God. In the Old Testament, it was the law. And of course, we still follow the principles of the law, the basic teaching that pointed to Jesus in the law. So here, back, back in 1 John, the fourth chapter, I know you thought we forgot about 1 John 4. Look at what it says. This is, I am so glad that the Apostle John gave such a simple example for me so that I could understand it. And I can branch out from that example and understand many other things. Back to the text in 1 John 4 and 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are gone out into the world. The primary context there is false teaching. You need to be careful what you listen to when it comes to the Word of God. He says, Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. By the way, that follows from the previous chapter, verse 24, where he says, Hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us, the Spirit of God inside us. He says, and this is how you know when you're listening to preaching. This is a very simple example. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. That is so important to understand. You say, is there any Christian that, that, or denomination out there that doesn't believe that? There's many. And in the seminaries, in many places, they don't teach the bodily presence of Christ on the earth anymore. And not in all of them, but in some of them. So if a preacher got up in this pulpit and said, you know, I know what John and Peter and James and Paul, I know, and Jesus, out of his own mouth, he said, I am come in the flesh. I know what they said, but I'm just telling you, I just don't think that Christ came in the flesh. Ding, 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 ding. That's your standard right there. The Word of God says, and Christ said out of His own mouth, I have come in the flesh. So if you hear that, you immediately know that that Spirit is not from God that says that. You see, the Spirit of the man that says something like that, that Christ is not come in the flesh, that is anti-Christ. That's what he says right there. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of antichrist. Whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. Now I want you to get this clearly. This is not you're walking down the road and all of a sudden you hear a voice, you know, whispering. It's just, Jesus has not come in the flesh. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about those that preach to you and that deliver the Word of God to you. The Spirit that they deliver that in, if they're not confessing that Christ has come in the flesh, then that Spirit is not the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Amen if you believe that. 
Thank you. I hadn't heard all of you amen in a while. That sounded good. Listen, I want to take it one step further now for you, for you truth believers. Maybe after you learned the truth, you went somewhere and heard a message somewhere. I've been there. I've been to places and heard different messages. And if you understand the truth from the Word of God, when a man speaking from the Word of God begins to say something that is not in the Word of God, what you feel inside you that just kind of goes whoop, that just kind of shuts down inside you, that is the anti-spirit. You understand that? Because what that person is saying is not from the Word of God. And if you're a truth believer and you understand the truth, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know when they've stopped preaching the Word of God and they go to speaking opinions of men. Y'all understand that? So you can take that. that. John gives you the simplest example possible. Easy to recognize. Jesus Christ, well, He's just not come in the flesh. Ding, 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 ding. That's antichrist. But it may be a little harder as you hear there's so many preachers in the world. You need to tune your mind to the truth of God so you'll know whenever somebody has gone too far. So let me say this to you. Anytime that a minister of the gospel or a speaker or you know, whatever, youth pastor, preacher, whatever you want to put it, whoever's talking about the Lord, when they go past talking about Jesus and they get into the work of salvation and they begin to say, now you've got a part in that, that shuts down the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will never burden a man of God to say that there's anything involved in eternal salvation other than the work of Jesus Christ. Y'all see that? It's a no-brainer when somebody says, well, Jesus didn't come in the flesh. But it gets a little more testy. <laughs> That's a good word. It gets a little more testing whenever you start hearing somebody that maybe... I've even heard men that were blessed of the Spirit of God from other places that were preaching and teaching. And then they get down to the end. Or somewhere in there, they'd start giving credit to man and the Holy Spirit would shut down inside me. And I'll be honest with you, there's been a few times I've been listening to that long enough and I'll be listening to that man, I could almost tell that the Holy Spirit had shut down inside him too. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you've been there and you've seen it and you've heard it, you know what I'm talking about. I said, Brother Tim, I don't think I've ever experienced that. Then you need to study the standard, the Word of God. You see? He says, You're of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Is that not what I just did for you? Help you see. When man goes to praising man or telling man, you as an individual, that you've got to do something, then that shuts down the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will never approve of anything said about Him other than all glory to Jesus Christ. Your salvation is in Christ alone. And there's a lot of things we need to be doing. One of the things we need to be doing is trying the spirits. Okay? So now, let's take that standard and let's try some spirits. Y'all ready? What is our standard? It's the Word of God. You know, Paul, Peter, James, John... Jesus, those guys said Christ has come in the flesh. That's their word, inspired by the Holy Spirit. You got the standard, it's the Word of God. Now, if, if you won't have the standard to be the Word of God, there's no way you can do this. And, and by the way, that's a big deal out in the, even the religious world today. There's many of God's children that, number one, don't even know the real standard of the Word of God because they so, use so many different perversions of the Bible. 
And then there's those that just think, well, well, how could that just really be a standard? Can we really say there is a real standard? Child of God, as a believer in grace, your salvation is tied to a standard of truth, and His name is Jesus. Okay? So let's try the spirits. And remember now, even if it's not the Holy Spirit, it might not be an evil spirit. All right? It might not be an evil spirit. I'll give you this little funny story. Sister Tracy and I, because you know we're doing a renovation at the house. I know y'all getting tired of hearing about that. Well, you're not half as tired of it as I am. <laughs> but So we got away a few nights ago, you know, just to kind of get away from the dust, okay? And so we were sitting there, we were watching this, this movie. And you know Sister Tracy loves the romance movies. She loves them. And you know, I love the action movies. <laughs> and so I guess I was feeling real generous, and we watched that romance movie. And, man, it was pretty good. You know, I mean, it, was, it wasn't the Hallmark Channel, man. But anyway, it, it was pretty good. And I was like, this, this is good, you know. And I could tell in the movie that there were some tensions building. That I think there's going to be some action here in a little while. <laughs> you know, like there were some sides building here, you know, fixing to get into something here. And sure enough, in the last 10 minutes of the movie, you know, we've just been laying there relaxing. Sister Tracy's just been so calm and serene enjoying her romance movie and then the action started and next thing i know i looked over she's up on her knees going oh my goodness oh my goodness <laughs> she doesn't want me to tell that but the spirit of that animated her do y'all see that and i was like what happened you know, I mean, i'm used to the action movies but that was a pretty good movie now you got a good bit of romance guys and then you got the action at the end so <laughs> but she was animated by that that spirit that came y'all get that i hope that makes sense what animates you so let's talk about the spirit of enthusiasm. Let's talk about the spirit of enthusiasm. And you'll find that spirit just a few miles away on Saturdays in this, 100, does it hold 105,000, 110,000? Maybe think about your favorite team. When you go to that ball game, that football game, and in the South, it is quite the spirit of enthusiasm. I don't know of anybody that I know who would ever say, well, yeah, you know, I went to the ball game and man, the Holy Spirit was just there. <laughs> Listen, if you think that, I'm sorry, it's not the Holy Spirit, but it is a spirit of enthusiasm, is it not? Especially towards the fourth quarter and they start playing some popular songs and they turn the lights out and everybody's flashing their lights. I mean, it, oh my goodness. And every time I go, I go to a ball game every now and then, and every time I go, I look across that crowd and I think, how many children of God are in this crowd? There's going to be a bunch of them. Maybe more than half, maybe three-fourths, maybe 90%. And I think to myself, if only that spirit of enthusiasm could translate over to Sunday morning at 1030. <laughs> Am I crazy? Am I losing my mind? No, I'm not losing my mind. I'm telling you, that spirit of enthusiasm, it's not necessarily a bad thing, you see. We can all get worked up over a movie we're watching or you know, over a ball game, I, I don't understand. I, I have to sit back and observe myself and examine myself, prove myself. And I think, why do I care that the USFL or the XFL is playing? You know, why do I care that the NFL is playing? Why do I really, deep down, care that Alabama's playing? Why, what, what hold does this spirit have on me that I've just got to cheer? You know, if it's any, any football on TV... It makes me feel crazy. Like, why do I care about Boise State playing North Montana State? Why do I care? And yet I'm sitting there going, ooh, ah, oh, well, it's a good play, good play. I get that spirit of enthusiasm. Y'all see that? 
I have to temper that. I have to control that. There's other spirits. But look, like I said, that spirit of enthusiasm, it may not be evil, but if you don't check it, if you don't try it by the Word of God, and that spirit of enthusiasm carries you far away from the kingdom and far away from the church, far away from the people of God, far away from thinking about those things, then it's got a halt on you. See? Did you know, by the way, this is a side note, but in the heathen worship, the false worship of long ago, which by the way, the church of God, the teachings of Christ, Christianity, it, it basically single-handedly did away with the superstitions of the world for the most part. I know that's not completely true, but for the most part, superstition and superstitious worship was done away with. But in the heathen worship, it was the spirit of enthusiasm that they had. They would work themselves up into a frenzy and they would do what we, you would call today, you know, in Pentecostal type circles of speaking in tongues, you know, gibberish that you can't understand. They would work themselves up and, and they would just work into this frenzy. And they thought that that was religion. They thought that that was spiritual. But it wasn't the spirit of God. It was the spirit of enthusiasm. Got to be careful with the spirits out there. What about the spirit I've already mentioned alcohol. Look at Proverbs 20. There is definitely a spirit, an essence that is conveyed to an individual whenever they consume intoxicating liquors. Watch this Proverbs 20 and 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. You see, that's a spirit of deception. The Word of God clearly teaches moderation when it comes to alcohol and wine, but understand there's people that don't understand that concept. You know, there's no moderation. And here, it's a deceiving spirit. Look at Proverbs 23, just a couple pages over, and watch verse 19. Proverbs 23 and 19. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Look down at verse 29. And by the way, there's at least two elements here in what a police officer uses to determine when they stop someone suspecting them uh, committing the crime of driving under the influence. There's at least two Maybe more, but there's at least two here that are used today by police officers. He says, who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine and that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. The old country song I can't remember who sang it, but the girls all get prettier at closing time. It's about to come out of verse 33. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? And here is the addiction. I will seek it yet again. See? There's a spirit that is conveyed into an individual when they consume alcohol or drugs. That's why it says wine, liquors, spirits, okay? There's an essence that goes into that person, a powerful essence that changes who they are, you see? What about drugs? You say, I don't think the Word of God mentions drugs. Yes, it does. It, the, the essence of 
drugs is contained in this addictive language right here when it comes to wine. Okay, but I personally believe that Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived, I believe he became a drug addict. I believe those things would have been available to him, at least what was available at that time. Probably some form, early form of marijuana. I mean, the plant didn't just come up out of the blue, you understand? It didn't just appear one day. It's been around for a long time. But Solomon said that he, he set himself to know folly and madness. There was nothing that he withheld from himself. So I'm certain, based on that language right there, I know he was a drunkard. I know he became an alcoholic. But he also probably experimented with drugs. You see, drugs, they convey a spirit, do they not? Pills. Listen, years ago, I think one of the first or second trips that I took to Africa, the doctor that I dealt with before I went overseas said, look, now you need to take these malaria pills. And one type of the pill was a, a weekly dose, very powerful weekly dose. And then the other type was once a day. I only had to take it for, I had to take it for like five weeks because a week before you go over there, two weeks that you're there, and then two weeks after. I hope that adds up to five, but whatever. And so he said, do you have trouble with sleeping or with dreams? And I was like, no, I've never had trouble with that. He said, well, okay, well, you try this weekly powerful dose. So I took one of those pills, and I'm telling you, I had nightmares all night long. And I called the doctor, and I said, I'm not taking that again. I need the daily dose, which never affected me whatsoever. I've never had that happen before. And I take a malaria pill, and the next thing you know, I'm having dreams and nightmares that I've ever happened. Somebody's trying to kill me, you know, in my dream. Don't tell me that drugs don't have influence on people. Now think about this. It's very in vogue today for the younger generation and maybe some of the older generation too to try recreational marijuana. I mean, marijuana use today is like the guys getting together in the 80s when I was in elementary school and um, junior high school, whatever. I didn't do it, but the guys would get together and they'd, you know, they'd slip a beer, they'd try to drink a little bit. So recreational marijuana use today has taken the place of that, okay? And listen to this, this is crazy. I read an article just a couple weeks ago that said the sale of recreational marijuana surpassed the sale of chocolate. Is that not crazy? The new comfort food is now dope. It's not chocolate anymore, ladies, I'm sorry, but now it's marijuana. And the interesting thing about all of this is that most of the time, the public in general, our culture in general, has no idea about the negative psychiatric effect of the ongoing extended use of marijuana. But there are studies out there that show that, that there is a terribly negative psychotic effect on the use of marijuana. This is the spirit of what that drug brings to a person. There's a new study out of Denmark that says, listen to this, this is amazing. Up to 30% of schizophrenia cases in young men may be linked to cannabis use. They don't tell you that on the major networks. It says the proportion of new schizophrenia cases linked to cannabis use disorder has risen since the 1970s, likely due to the increasing potency of the drug that many view as harmless. One of the quotes from that article, the, propor the proportion of young adults who reported past year marijuana use reached 43% in 2021, as opposed to 10 years ago when it was 29%. Now watch this. If you ask Generation Z if it's safe to smoke cigarettes, almost all of them will say no. 
Everybody knows that because we've had decades of public health advertising and public health efforts to educate people on the dangers of smoking cigarettes. Y'all remember the Marlboro man that was, I always thought was so cool looking. He's a cowboy. Well, I heard he died of cancer from smoking, you know? There's a public ad campaign, cigarettes are dangerous, don't smoke cigarettes. But if you ask that same group of 100 young people if marijuana use is safe to consume, then you're looking at 60 plus percent of them that will say, yeah, it's, it's totally fine. So this is really taken over as the new tobacco. And the rise of schizophrenia cases among young men is directly tied to that. There's a spirit that that conveys. And it will destroy you. Okay? That may not be the animating spirit that affects you. It may not be football. It may not be that. It could be some type of sexual sin. There's a spirit in that. It's interesting back in Proverbs 23 where it says that wine is a mocker, where it says, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions. In that same connection there, where he says, my son, my daughter, you know, listen to me. Pay attention to what I'm saying. It says in verse 26, my, this is Proverbs 23 and 26, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways, for a whore is a deep ditch and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for a prey and increases the transgressors among men. And then it goes on and talks about the influence, the negative influence of the spirit of alcohol. It's interesting that those two are tied together, isn't it? And it gives me the image that here's a young man who goes down to the bar where they sell spirits. You know, the girls all get prettier at closing time, you know, and he finds this strange woman seducing him down at the bar. Think about Proverbs 7 where it's it speaks of the spirit that is conveyed in the way that that strange woman or man dresses. You know, it says over in Proverbs 7, Solomon said he looked out and he beheld the young men. He beheld the youths. He saw the youth group, you know, out there gathered, the little gang gathered. And one of the boys separated from that and began to walk down the street. And it says that she was waiting for him. You know, it was just fate. You know, it was just of the Lord because this, this woman had been to church. And it says, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. So the spirit that she conveys is a spirit, the way she dresses is a spirit to attract him. Y'all get that? It's an attracting spirit. By the way, the word attire right there is the word sheath in the Hebrew, which is where we get the word for the sheath of a sword, right? What that's teaching is, you know, when you put a sword in a sheath, you can see the shape of that sword. Are y'all with me? That's what it's conveying right there, is that the way she dresses, it leaves nothing to the imagination. There's a spirit that is conveyed, a spirit of lust that is conveyed in that. You see that? That leads you to something like the spirit of pornography. One of the most addictive things that's affects the younger generation. It affects all generations. <laughs> Where do you get that? You can easily get that from one of these little, from the spirit of one of these little things right here. You see? The world of sin is at our fingertips when it comes to things like that. See these spirits that are conveyed? Listen, you say, well, is there really any pornography address in the Word of God? Yes, in the New Testament, by all means. But if that's not, and Paul speaks specifically about it. 
about how to avoid it, how to treat it, how to pull away from it, how to replace. God is the master of replacement therapy. How do you replace that sinful contact with something that honors God? There's no high like the most high, let me tell you. So, what about the Old Testament? You got the spirit of pornography on top of the palace one night whenever David goes up there. He should have been out fighting. And he goes and he looks across the top of another somebody's house over there. And he, he's a peeping Tom. He's a peeping David. He's peeping at her. And she doesn't have any clothes on. It's the spirit of pornography. And that spirit that is conveyed, she wasn't, you know, some commentators say she was doing that blatantly. So other commentators say that this was a normal thing. I don't know what it was, but you understand that it conveyed a spirit that stirred up David. And the next thing you know, he's got her coming over to his house. And he commits atrocities with her, all because that spirit of pornography was stirred up within him. I'm not just talking out of my head here. This is, there's been studies that have shown that one thing leads to the other, and it all starts with one step into it. That's a spirit that is conveyed. What about a divisive spirit? Can y'all identify with that? You say, well, I can't identify with the spirit of enthusiasm and spirit of this, spirit of that, spirit of the other. What about a divisive spirit? We're living in a country with a divisive spirit. If we just sat down with one another, whether it was on either, whatever side of the aisle, just sat down and, and interacted in godly circles, you know, that divisive spirit would disappear. You know, the Democrats blame the Republicans for lack of gun control. The Republicans blame the Democrats. But I'm telling you, sin and sinners are to blame. You see? That's a divisive spirit that is meant to keep you divided from God's people. It's a distracting spirit that takes you away from the real issue of sin and sinners and addressing the real problem. Okay? What about the spirit that is present last night when you binged watched that 12 hours of that show? Nobody got that one. <laughs> what about that spirit that's present when you binge watch something for 12 hours or for whatever length of time? What about the spirit that is present when you take one of these things right here and you, for a child, you use this as a babysitter? You understand? You know where the word dope comes from, right? It comes from dopamine which is in every single one of us. There is a neurotransmitter in your brain that when you, whenever you experience pleasure or you experience something along that line, you know, something that excites you or animates you, you have that dopamine released in your mind. You have it, you've got dope inside your mind. <laughs> and by the way, you got enough dope in there. You don't need any outside influence, okay? So when you put that, it's just like Brother Tim finding the UHF channels whenever he was a child. I, I did afternoons when I'd stay with Grandmother McCool, I found, you know, there was Channel 4, Channel 6. I don't remember which one that was, but there was another, another set of channels that if you flipped the switch on that old TV, you'd find, you know, there was a hundred channels on there. And I just, just flipped through there, and I found Gilligan's Island. I found Petty, uh, Petticoat Junction. I found, uh, you know, uh, what else? All the, you know, Andy Griffith. I found those. And I'd sit there until Mama came and got me. You know, my dopamine was just in full blast. I don't want to go feed the calves. I don't want to go do my chores. I don't want to do anything but experience that rush that I'm getting from having that squawk box set in front of me. If you take that and you make that the babysitter for that baby, you're feeding his addictive or her addictive personality. That spirit is going to take over that child. There's a whole world out there 
Look at God's creation. There's, there's acorns hanging on the tree that you can look at. There's squirrels running through the tree that you can look at. There's, there's places you can go that explore the world. But Satan wants us to be focused in that dopamine release just going off of something like this. I can't talk to you because I'm this. I can't look at you because I'm doing this. What if I sat up here and did this with y'all and didn't look at you? Sorry, I'm too busy. I'm getting my dopamine release right now. I'm binge watching something while I'm trying to preach. Y'all say, we're not having that. You may say we're not having that, but then we all go home and we have it at home or we put it in front of our children. That is a spirit that is conveyed by that. You understand? That spirit, if it's not checked, it doesn't mean that you can't have some of it and you can't enjoy some of it, but if that is the desire and the bent of the addictive personality that we all have, we're in big trouble. This is stealing the soul of our young people out in the world today. God's people's souls are being stolen by this. Praise God they can't have their eternal life stolen by any means. But they can have their minds and their hearts stolen by these things. This is more important than what God would have me to do. And none of us sit there and go, oh yeah, yeah, I am a total, full-blown dopamine addict to this little thing right here. Nobody's going to just come out and say that. But if you'll check your screen time... And you'll check the amount of time that you're spending on this thing. And I know the college students have got to do everything on this thing. My goodness. Even the things that go on in college gear you towards being addicted to this thing. See? You can't go to college without one of these things. Can you? I don't think. Is there a college? If there is a college like that, I think I want to send my kids there. (laughs) But you can't make it without these things. That's a scary statement, is it not? That's a scary statement. I can't make it without my Bible study app. I can't make it without my commentaries that are on it. I can't make it without my shows that are on here. That's a scary statement. I'm addicted. Something that you can't let go means that you're addicted. Discern the spirits. Try the spirits. A functionable, usable standard to measure what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. And remember, this does not involve Brother Tim's opinion or your opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. What does the Word of God say is good for me and glorifying to God? See, I've tried to give you sort of a list of things, not just focusing in on any one thing, but maybe, maybe you'll go and you'll look at that thing or some other thing or maybe your spirit of enthusiasm, how many games you're going to and how you're carrying and conducting yourself, what your life revolves around, what spirit has control over you. I'm telling you, child of God, if you let the Spirit of God control and direct you, you'll be free. You'll enjoy freedom in this life like you've never had. I've told you this before, and I close out with this, that there was a time in my life when the Spirit of music had me. The Spirit of songwriting had me. I still like to write songs. I still like to sing music. Come in a couple weeks, and we'll have a good time doing that. But understand, it doesn't have a hold on me anymore. It had a hold on me, a stranglehold on my life, and I couldn't get past it. By the grace of God, I've got a dear one sitting right here today that was so patient with me and there was a man of God that stood up in a pulpit years ago and he began to preach to me the word of God about the standard of right and wrong and about what was good for me and what was not good for me and by the grace of God the Lord opened my ears and I listened and I thought you know I'm a wretch I'm nothing I'm nobody I I can't figure this out on my own I've done it my way I've been in, in the stranglehold of these things You say, well, Brother Tim, I'm in a stranglehold of this or that or the other. I tell you, I can identify with you because I've been in the death hold of those things. And Satan wants you in that death hold. He wants you in that stranglehold so you will be no benefit or no profit to the kingdom of God. He wants you there. 
And if it's got you, just look at it. 2 Corinthians 13-5 says, examine yourselves. That's the word, examine. Look at yourself. I liked what Brother Luke said in his message last week, that he was in a text group. There was a spirit in that text group, was it not, Brother Luke? It did not sit well with you. And so he had to make a comment on that text group. And as, as I would have been, I would have been like, oh boy, I've done it now. But you see, it can be as small as a text group. And it can be as big as an addiction to these things or alcohol or pornography. It can be anything. It can be addicted to going to games too much. It can be addicted. What is controlling you? What is animating you? Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets are going out into the world. May the Lord bless us to try the spirits by the standard of the Word of God.